0: I have to speak in of <laughs> to make my point clear. And people don't know that some of these things, that's how faith disappears from their hearts. What you were so sure of before. That's why your wife is confused. We discuss this thing, we pray though, then my husband suddenly changed his mind. He's talked to his father. You say he's, living, he's listening to his father. No, he's not listening to his father. His faith disappeared. He made that decision by faith. Now when he talked to two, three people, one uncle, one mother, one auntie, Faith disappeared from his heart. He wasn't listening to them. What something happened was that he no longer had the confidence he had at the beginning. And I said, honey, maybe we should leave it in next year. So he started reasoning and you're wondering what happened. It's just that uh, the unnecessary cords. The Bible says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. Yes, he said his father and mother. Because I know what. Because my Bible just tell you father, but I think he specifically mentioned mother because they know do those. They agree. They no go agree. They don't want to agree. This is our GSM. They will phone you in the <laughs> everything that's good has a bad side. Telephone has a bad side. It doesn't allow young men to live because as soon as they leave, they were there to do. They travel as they already where they go. going, the farmer don't call. So, Uche, how was the journey? Habba, mama, wait, see. the boy just married by t- t- 10 a.m. today. By night, you are checking, how is he? Aba. Don't join Kofun because of this boy. Because this is so <laughs> witchcraft, it takes that. It's small, small witchcraft. This is initiation. You are getting him to. <laughs> I mean, just simply, 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 simply leave them alone. Don't expect any call from them for one week. If you don't hear from them, they are alive. If they were dead, somebody would have found that you are their father. <laughs> Police would have knocked and said, we found two corpses here. Are you related? <laughs> but once you don't hear from them, they are okay. So what are you planning to do now? Uh-huh, and then you sit and say that they were thinking about. Don't think about. You, you've married. You are, your, you are in your house. Your father knows what you are planning to do. Do it first before you tell him. Ah, He said, What about, uh, you know, uh, counsel? Go to brethren that have faith and listen to counsel. Don't be discussing with people you can't say no to. If you say no now, it becomes this boy is stubborn, doesn't listen. Hmm. The ambience of faith, the ambience of faith, that's what I'm trying to explain. That you have to create an atmosphere of faith around yourself. Jesus looked at this man and said, now that you are seen, please, don't go back to that village. Don't pass through the place. You will think it's a joke. Somebody will say, ah, hey, Bato, you two you are seen? He said, yes, Jesus prayed for me. Are you sure? Okay, count how many fingers? You think it's a joke. Your sight is disappearing. You put out the finger... They put, you look and say, Four. If I say four, are you sure you are seeing? He pulls one, sharp, sharp. <laughs> He's beginning to mock your faith. You saw the four. You were sure it was four. Then he comes close and says, It's three. Ah, then you do like this. Once you wipe it like this, blindness returns. <laughs> Some many fingers. Please, please, I'm not joking. I can't, uh-huh. I told you did not see. He says, It's true. That man is a charlatan. He said, Who, who prayed for you, Jesus? You believe him? Listen, that boy is a carpenter. That's it. Those miracles, they are gone. That is how it is. Though. Please, my message today is watch your environment. Watch your environment. Especially, let me talk about something. You remember our main text? Remember where, our main text? Where, where was that? Good. Deuteronomy chapter six, that's the main thing I should be explaining. What the Lord was emphasizing to the people of Israel was obedience to his word. Are you getting my point? He said it shall be righteousness unto you. Moses told them, if you obey all these commandments, I'm commanding you today. He said, It shall come to pass if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, that the Lord will bless you and all of that. You know, Deuteronomy chapter twenty eight. So the emphasis all the time was what? Obey the laws. That you are you are being given today. Now I want to explain something about obedience. Obedience is not by power. Obedience is not by might. Obedience is actually an overflow of faith. Did you hear what I said? Obedience is an overflow of faith. That is when faith is in the heart, obedience comes naturally disobedience is a result of unbelief. In the garden, we know the story, and we have, used it, we have, have explained it here very well. When, when um, God gave them commandments at the beginning concerning the tree and all of that, he said, don't eat you know, the, the fruits this, in the midst of the garden and all of that. When Satan came, when the tempter came, he, he could not, now please, notice this, he could not force the woman to eat he could not force the man to eat. What he did was to stir up doubt in the heart of Eve, and that was when Eve was able to disobey. Were he not that there was doubt, Eve could not have disobeyed. The reason is that the tree did not look edible to her. The sight of the fruit was not appealing. Why was the sight of the fruit not appealing? It is simple. Because she was brought up with a culture of you don't eat it. So that thing in her mind made it impossible for her to eat the fruit. So when, this, when Satan came, what Satan did was to create doubt. You will not surely die. Now when she began to listen to the voice, do you get my point, of Satan, unbelief came into her. She suddenly began to doubt what God said. And when she doubted, She disobeyed. That's how life is. Obedience is an overflow of faith. Unbelief is what produces disobedience. That's just the way it is. So when God wanted, listen, to produce obedience in people, what he did was to teach them on how to create in the whole environment the ambience of faith. I don't know what I I have said. He said, listen, what you need to do is to believe this word. So let's do something. Let's create an ambience of faith around you. You know, was it this morning or yesterday night? Early in the morning, I woke up very early, maybe around very early, maybe around five or to five or something like that. Shortly after that, my wife woke up. So Anna said, we started talking. I said, I think I wanted to pray. Then I prayed a funny prayer. <laughs> I said, no, let's not pray. I said, let's talk about the Lord. I'm going somewhere. I read the scripture for her, which I'm going to read just now. I said, let's talk about the Lord. I said, this is a culture people often don't realize is important. So I just started talking. Initially, I was praying, but then I said, no, there's no point to pray blessing you, blessing the home, blessing the children, blessing the day, no need. I said, let's talk. I just started talking. that Simple talk like, God is good. With him, nothing is possible. He's the reason why we are here. He's the reason why we are alive. He's the reason why you and I are married. Life is not by accident. Our life was predetermined by him. We, st- we connected him by faith. Jesus died for our sins. He cleansed away our sins. Now we can walk in righteousness. Now, I wasn't preaching. We are just talking. Just talking. Just talking. And this is a culture that Christians need to learn. you see what I'm talking about in a moment. Look around. you. Yesterday, I drove from here, about two hours, a little over, all right, for a funeral. I want some of my colleagues. When we were coming back, I told one of my colleagues in the car, I said, Do you realize that all you have done today is complain? I said, All you have done today is complain. You've complained about what EFCC is not doing and what they are doing. You've complained about what Buhari is doing and what he's not doing. You've complained about how Buhari's family spends money. You've complained about this. I've come here and I argued from going to coming back. It was just my decision to argue on the matter. So if he says something, I will say the opposite. I said, have you seen that as far as you are concerned, there has never been any good government? Now, please, I'm going somewhere. A few, about a week ago, I drove one of my doctors out of my office, my senior registrar. I said, get up and get out. Why? Because, I said, you see, maybe I'm not so used to it. People I talk to a lot that we have serious chats. There are people like you. We talk faith. I, I don't know what I get my point. We look at the country and we talk faith. Power fails. We thank God for the generator we have. Are you getting my point? We see things that are wrong. We see things that are good. And we talk about the ones that are good. We build up. I'm so used to it. So now here's when I have people complaining about every trivial thing. Then anything you talk, negative, 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 negative. I want to say something to you. That is the reason why many men, many women will not succeed in this life. They don't know it. They sit down complain about Jonathan and Buhari. They are killing their destiny. They don't realize it. Why? Because what they are doing is to build an ambience of unbelief. God said to the people of Israel, if you want to believe, this is what you will do. You will make these words that I'm commanding you concerning today, you will make them penetrate into the hearts and the minds of your children. How do you do it? Go back to your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go down to chapter, verses 6 and 7. I'm talking about the ambience of faith. Where I just emphasized now is the one we read from Amplified Bible in which it says you will make this word, you will sharpen this word and wet the edge so that they will be able to penetrate into the hearts of your children and their minds. Now, by what process do you sharpen the thing, making it able to penetrate? He said you shall teach and impress them diligently upon their hearts. You will talk about them when you sit in the house. You will talk about them when you walk by the way. You will talk these words when you lie down, and this will be the topic of your discussion when you rise up. When you want to describe uh, design wristbands, you know this wristband you carry around. You will put on the wristband, "Here O Israel, the Lord thy God is one." You won't put your bank name. Your wristband will not be that of your football club. When you want to put posters on your door, you will not put a political poster. When you are about to enter your house, it will be a word of scripture. Yes, I don't know what I get the point. Yes, there will be a plaque at your door on it to be written, the blood of Jesus has cleansed us in this home. And you don't think anything of it. But it is creating an ambience of faith because your son will get to the door and he will pause, and he will read it, and he will open it and pass. He will not know he read it, but when he wants to dream, his dream will be that of being cleansed by blood. Are you getting the point I'm making? You hang frames everywhere. You will not hang any frame that does not glorify the word of God in your house. That was what he was telling them. You create an ambience for faith. You know, something happened recently. One of my colleagues, I belong to a child group, of course. Many you know these days, child groups everywhere. So my colleagues in the office, all specialist doctors, we have a child group. And they toss, they toss all kinds of things in there. In fact, 90% of the things that they toss in there have nothing to do with medical practice. So people, you know all kinds of jokes. Then somebody tossed a long line of jokes. And these jokes were on marriage. And very, very funny things. I see got one today, somebody sent was a woman that was writing about the man. And I said, Do you realise, listen to this, that ninety-nine percent of jokes or statements you hear about marriage is negative. Think about it. Think, 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 think. Ninety nine percent of jokes you hear about marriage, they mock marriage. They don't exalt it, they mock it. So I told myself, I'm not forwarding anyone anymore. No matter how funny. It has gone far enough. It's always a joke. We turn marriage to a joke. Oh God, you gave me youth, you took it away. You gave me childhood, you took it away. You gave me a wife, I just want to remind you. <laughs> now, you see, you're, you're, you're laughing. It's funny, but it's negative. The man has painted a picture. That you should get tired of your wife after a while. Once, I was walking to my office in the old UNTH. And one woman stopped me. I knew her, you know, you work in the same building. She works in one department downstairs. My department is up, top floor then. That she saw me preaching on television. That she had never heard what I said before. At that time, I said I'd been married for about 10 years. That I think I love my wife more now. That was, 10, that was about nine years that time. Then, I said I loved my wife more at that time, more than when I first married her. The woman said she had never heard it. She was watching that at home on TV. We used to broadcast on NTA before. Before we discontinued NTA, and moved to satellite TV. So when the woman saw me at work, she stopped me and said, Doc, I have never heard that statement in my life. And the woman near to me, be married for longer than I have been married. She said she had never heard it before. And as you know, I don't lie. Especially when I'm preaching. For what? You know why I don't? Not because of righteousness. Out of fear. A lie who said if I do it, if I flatter anybody, my maker will soon take me away. And I love my wife. I don't, anybody, I don't want anybody to inherit her. Just leave it. <laughs> I inherit my car, I inherit other things, but this wife matter. <laughs> Thank you. We reach every now and drag. Whose wife will she be? Is that not why? Was that not what the Sadducees were complaining about? <laughs> they so hated the idea, they refused to believe in resurrection. I said, I beg, I'm not visual. Thank you very much. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> now, why am I saying so? So, if I make that statement, I wasn't joking. I meant it. But you know, for most people, what? And part and is reinforced. That's what I'm talking about. It's reinforced in the hearts of people and by jokes. I like one thing Kola Wosho said at Wafbeck. I was in last year or the year before. He said, whatever entertains you, enters you. You may think it is funny. It is entering you. You make mockery of marriage every day. You will not be a successful married person. And they pass it around as jokes that they ask an American president the key to success in your marriage. He said we go to the movies twice a week. My wife goes on Tuesdays. I go on Thursdays. And people laugh. It's not funny. It's annoying. Make up your mind some things will irritate you. When I got these jokes a few days ago, I said this has gotten too far. 99% of jokes I know on marriage do not paint it in a positive way. They see everything negative about it. I don't want to start repeating them to you. You've seen many of them. You start wondering, why are are they even planning to marry? Listen, we're not for societal pressure. There is enough unbelief in us for us not to want it. It's not new. When Jesus said you can't divorce your wife, Peter said, excuse me, what did you say? I said you can't divorce your wife. Peter turned to the other boys. In that case, it's better not to marry. That is, they entered into marriage believing that if things are rough, oh girl, we are divorcing. It has gone too so bad in many parts of the world. They now start signing prenuptial agreement for people who are just married. One of the reasons why the homosexual campaign for marriage won, one of the reasons, I'm not saying the only reason, is because the normal married people had nothing to show them anyway. Uh, They were always divorcing. That's the issue. That's one of the reasons why it won. There was nothing admirable on the other side. And what am I saying? One of the things that created it is jokes. We laugh about these things. 99 out of 100 jokes made about marriage, man and woman relationship, paints it in a negative picture. And we actually think it is funny. Here, ye saints of God, it is not funny. It's building an ambience for marriage failure. I told myself after that, I'm not forwarding those jokes anymore. If you want to, If you can't say if your joke cannot just be funny without painting something good in a negative fashion? I replied to my colleagues. I responded. I said, very interesting. I said, have you guys noticed that 99% of jokes about marriage paint a negative picture? Why do we make such a negative fun of something that's so good? That was my answer. And of course, nobody answered me. They can't answer. And I'm telling you today, don't find such things funny anymore. Just make up your mind. I won't laugh. I know you are happy. I know you and your husband you are happy. But what about your children? We are just sowing a seed into their lives. It's not funny. I'll tell them it's not funny. Read it. That's not how it is with your father. That's not how it is with your mother. Let them know. Because it is not funny. We are creating an ambience of unbelief. Back to this ambience thing. Many people, remember I've been emphasizing if faith is not in the heart I'm not talking about desire, faith if it is not in the heart, what God wants to do will not happen Don't forget that. So let's talk about this other side Let's talk about the country again Many people have walked away In fact, when you hear the kind of things people walked away from in Nigeria and went abroad and you look, and like I told you, know, like play like play <laughs> It's not, is. Now I'm having friends who lived abroad for 20 years it just, it, life has just advanced and I've been watching it. I'm old enough now to talk. This year, eh? I mean, it looks like a small boy to you. I don't know what you think. <laughs> but this year, it sounds like a joke, right? No matter how young I look, this year will make it 25 years that I left university. 25. I'm not kidding. I have lived long enough to see life a bit. And I have seen people make very bad decisions. And I have seen it play out. I can speak with a bit of wisdom, out of experience, and I am able to judge experience because of the word of God. I am going somewhere. I have seen people roll all over the world And amounted to nothing. I have seen people, do you understand? They were established in this nation that God planted them in. Then they packed their bags and baggages. And disappeared. And you see them 15 years later, you wonder, what was that about? I still remember a story Which I've used to illustrate here a few times in the past. This was, this was shortly after my okay, so this would have been around 1996. Okay, around that around 96. That's 20 years now. Is that not? 20 years ago, when I worked, I remember that time. My salary in a month was not up to ten thousand naira. Okay, I remember. David's brother told me his company was doing arranged, they used to do a, a, a visa scam. The scam was on the Americans, not on the Nigerians. They helped Nigerians get visit tourist visas actually to the US. And then they will melt into the environment, they won't show up. So, and his company at that time was charging for each visa. When I, as a junior resident, all right, was earning. Just about ten thousand a month, if I remember well. It wasn't up to twelve thousand. The company was charging I think five hundred thousand each for each visa. Yes. It was a big scam. Because they had they spent money and you no know, spent money penetrated. Ah, money is powerful. Money has power. I told that God when he, when Satan is talking. He says, he says, he says when Satan is talking, God says, Where are you coming from? You come on, go and queue. But when money comes, Jesus, God will say, my children, come behind me. Come and stay behind me. <laughs> Go and read your Bible. I had to protect his kids. Jesus never said you cannot serve God and Satan. He never said so. He knew money was the problem. Ah. He forgotten a few years ago, the British, that's the home office, brought back every, every one of their citizens working in Nigeria, carried them back home. Because those boys, even the British nationals, they were doing visa scam. They were selling British visa. They stayed in Lagos for so long, we taught them some bad things. Ambience for corruption. (laughs) Now, the story I'm telling you, let me not not get sidetracked. These guys were charging $500,000 per visa. They would camp the people in one resort and teach them at Logo Dance. I don't know whether I get my point. They would take a banker, turn him into a professional dancer. I'm not joking. Then they will organize what they call a command performance. I attended one or two command performances in Lagos when I was there. A command performance is you, you want to showcase Nigerian culture, Nigerian stuff, and they invite people from the America and bridge them. These guys were that powerful. And those ones would come and attend. And who are those people dancing? University lecturers? (laughs) Bankers? Businessmen? You wouldn't believe it. They will not say that is the... They will not, as a batch, go to the embassy to apply for a tourist visa. Because the embassy people have seen them perform, they actually assume that they are going for a tour I don't know whether I get the point. What I'm telling the story is because this brother told me that there was one person, one of the people that participated. He paid for himself, his wife, and his younger brother. 1.5 million naira when I was earning less than 12,000 naira as a resident doctor in a month. He had 1.5 million to put down. And he put it down for a visa scam to move to the U.S. I couldn't wrap my head around it. That's almost 20 years ago. A man that was working diligently, investing his money, and able to have that amount of money 20 years ago. Imagine if God just showered small blessing on him. As of today, what would have been happening to him? You know, you look, you wonder what happened. And that's what I'm trying to explain to you. It's what is called the ambience of unbelief that they wrapped around themselves. It was so bad, men will see good. They couldn't identify it. And that's why I'm warning you. That's why I'm warning anybody listening to this. Don't just think that this rubbish talk, men gather around tables to analyze government, APC policy, PDP policy, and at the end of the day, conclude, after two hours intense discussion, that Buhari does not know what he's doing. Kachiku is confused. you know. Dangote is taking advantage of the system. Uh, Bishop Oyedepo does not know why, what he's doing. Where is he getting money from uh, to, to, to build a university? When they finish, they think they have criticized men. No, they have leaked away their ability to succeed in their own lives. They will wake up tomorrow and make what Ahitofe will look at and say, This is a foolish decision. Not because he prayed, because it was so clearly foolish. But why did the man make it? Why did that girl make that mistake? Simply because she lived in an atmosphere of unbelief. She did not have the capacity to conceive good. The Bible says somebody will not see. When it was saying, cost is the one, I think, Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 17, who trusts in flesh, they will not see when good comes. That's good will come. The person can't perceive it. That's my practical tip for you. Ask my wife, I read news a lot. But you know one thing I don't do? I hardly ever read all these news analysis at the back of this day, punch, all those things. I almost never read them. Almost never do. I don't care what your name is. They almost never stare up in me. The only thing they stare up is an atmosphere of unbelief. And what am I gaining? Like I said last time, Everybody has an idea what Buhari should have done. Every person has. And the man also has an idea of what he should have done. Everybody has an idea. So which one will the man do? It is therefore obviously wrong for any one of us to think the man should have done what we think. It's pride. What do you know? After all, in your room, in your office, wherever you are, you have five, you have five different ideas. All of you think your own your own idea is right? That's why I'm instructing you by the Spirit of God today. Never sit down and analyze what is wrong with the country. Never. When you sit down to talk, count the blessings. Count the blessings. Count the blessings. And there is plenty to count. There is plenty to count. I don't want to start analyzing them now. But, okay, I was telling you at that time, that you enter a bus in Nigeria, a man will stand and preach for 45 minutes. Nobody's asking questions. Is that not a blessing? You may not think it's a blessing. It's a tremendous blessing. Even if it's annoying you, it's a blessing. He's preaching the word of God. You are not going to go to jail for tax evasion. You don't pay, you know. Do you pay? <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm just trying to say, that at least you should count and say, God, at least I'm not going to jail. But in your personal life, there are so many things you can thank God for. And this is what I'm talking about. It's not just about, uh, um, let's not criticize the country. No. Don't waste time. The Bible says the days are evil. Redeem the time. Use the time. Because you need to create an ambience around you. You need to create an ambience. And the time you sit down to analyze what is wrong, this person is stupid, this government is bad, this person is wrong, this, one, this is the problem we have in the country, if we had power here, we would have had the tree here, the sun would not have been shining too much, the rain would have fallen at the right time. All that time is generating unbelief in you. It's when you will, people have taken visas away from their destiny. To activate your destiny, you need faith. Your destiny does not just happen, you activate it. And that's what I'm going to emphasize. If you continue doing these things that are wrong, you are licking away your faith. You will not be able to do what is right. How should Christians this course? We read from that, chapter 6 now. He said, talk about this word when you, grow, uh, when, when, when you lie down. When you get up. When you sit down. When you walk by the wayside. Put it as, front, uh, as bands on your wrists. Put the posters everywhere around you. Put it as stickers on your car. It shall be well with me in this land. It may sound like a trivial thing, but that thing boosts your faith. It boosts your faith that the time economic hardship will have come, you will abide without... Remember I said faith is not deliberate. Like, "Eh, yes, I speak to the storm right now, right now. There are times you need to speak to the storm, but most of the times, you come a storm you did not even know was disturbing you. The tree was not just disturbing the Lord Jesus. He was just disappointed. He looked at the tree and just said, "Nobody will eat from you again." Look, I'm not bragging. I just want to give an example. You know this forest cast that's been biting for some days? And power failure that was bad. A few days ago, the transformer in my neighborhood broke down. Four straight days. No public power supply. I had to be burning fuel. For I mean, expensive fuel. That's the interesting part. God bless me; I could get good fuel at a good price for my car. But <laughs> filling station was what that is just the expensive one was the one I bought almost every day until today it was when I got fuel that was reasonable. For the and today the public power now came back. They fixed it just before I left for this Bible class. The thing came on. What am I trying to say? Ask my wife. Since then till now. She has not heard one word of complaining or grumbling from my mouth. It's doable. Yes, sir. Yeah, sure. yes, sir. All I just ask is, show. Is there in the generator? How long will it last? Ah, I'm not sure. I drive out of my house at nine o'clock. Go to the filling station. Put some more there for me. That Jerry can take it back home. Top it. Don't put it off. Everywhere is hot. I need to sleep well. That's all you hear from my mouth. And I lie down with thanksgiving. But I want to thank you that there's flame blowing. Oh, no. This bed is my own. This woman is my own too. <laughs> I give you thanks. <laughs> <laughs> my point is that it's doable. It's doable. It is very doable. You can just make up your mind. That I'm grumbling. You won't hear from my mouth. The ambience of it. So what do I do as a believer? I sit down, read this one scripture. Let's read this one. I want to close. The book of Malachi, chapter 3. I want to read from verse, from verse 13. Well, Actually, where, where I want is verse 16, but I, let me guess whether I need to back up a bit. From verse 13, let's start with that. The Lord said, Your words have been arrogant against me. Yet you say, What have we spoken against you? Now let me just say something to you. Many times we are speaking against God, we don't mention His name. But we are still guilty of speaking against Him. Did you hear what I said? In Numbers 13 and 14, when God said, these people conspired against me, they did not mention His name. All they said is what? We are not able to enter the promised land. That was all they said. They did not say God deceived us, They did not say the Lord lied to us. They did not say the Lord is stupid or unfaithful or whatever. They didn't say there is no God. All they said is what? We are not able to enter into the promised land. And God responded and said, these people, they conspired against me. Therefore, the carcasses of all of them, 20 years and above, will be laid down in this wilderness. That's what he said. I know what I'm telling you. Many grumblings we grumble against the government, God said they are grumbling against me. That's what I'm trying to explain. Many grumblings you grumble about your, uh, uh, your, your, your situation in life, God said they are grumbling against me. Those who just say we can't take the promised land, and God said that's it, conspiracy against me. Charge number one conspiring against the Lord. When did we mention your name? When you said, we will not be able to take the promised land. You conspired against me. Therefore, the good I wanted to bring into your life, you will never see it. That's what he said to them. To these people, listen to what he said. Verse what? 13, was like, okay, yeah, we're in 14 now. He said, what have we said against you? In verse 13, the Lord said, you have said, it is vain to serve God And what profit is it that we have kept his charge? And that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts. Are you seeing what they are saying here? They were not accusing God per se. They were saying that there is no profit to righteousness. I don't know what I said. What they were just saying is that, eh, what is there to gain? There is no profit to this righteousness. Now, please, let me just continue reading. I'll get back to the main thing, the main place I want to get to. He said, so, so now, verse 15, our experience is this. The arrogant are blessed. Those who steal money, nothing happens to them. They jump political, politics and have built all the houses in town. Nobody's asking questions. He said, only the doers of wickedness are built up, but they also test God and escape. Can you see, they were not talking about God himself. They were talking about the situation around them. Only those who lie prosper. There's nothing that righteousness does not pay in this place. And God said, your words have been strong against me. The people talking were those who felt they had worked for God. They said, what have we gained? And the Lord said, their words were strong against me. But who are the other kinds of people that we should be like? Let's look at them quickly. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. I like in James, I said they spoke often (laughs) to one another. And the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear him and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord, on the day that I prepare my own possession. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then he said, you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Now, why did I read this? Let me just explain it and then we'll stop it here. What was the Lord saying? Now, listen to this. He said this is when they spoke to one another. They were always discussing with each other. The question is, what were they discussing? He said, they were the ones... Who feared the Lord and who esteemed his name? Remember something I said some time ago, that when we're talking about the name of God, it does not just mean Jehovah, um, Jireh, Jehovah, Shikenu, Medegishki, you know those things. I said that's not what it means. That when you are talking about God's name, you are ascribing to him the glory that is due to his name. For example, just simply say, Oh boy, you are looking nice, oh. Ah, it is the Lord. That's his name. I don't know whether you get the point. That is, he is the Lord that make it nice. Ah. He said, oh boy, you have changed your car. He said, it is the Lord. I thank God. I did not be able to do it this year. But thank God for his goodness. What is his name? The God who changed the car. I don't know whether you are getting what I'm going to explain here. What was he saying? Now, because of time, let me just summarize it. Those who fear God, what are they supposed to do? That's what I was saying at the beginning. When you want to sit down to talk, this is what you do as a believer. I'll summarize it so we can close. You sit down, what's happening in the country? Ah, We thank God there is no government that can come into power except the Lord chose it. Ah, I may not have voted for Buhario, but I know God chose APC for such a time as this. We don't know exactly what he wants them to do, but we should pray for them that that thing that he wants them to do will come to pass. That is what is called esteeming his name. You don't esteem your destiny as being in the hands of a politician. That's an insult to God. That's conspiring against him. A young man can't survive in this country again because of these people. You, ha- you are blaspheming against God. The power of success. Promotion does not come from the East. It does not come from the West. It does not come from any, from any political party. It does not come from the South. But God is judged. If you make that statement... That these people would never allow any young man to succeed. You have spoken against God. You have taken his glory and given to another God. You have taken the name of the Lord thy God in vain. My wife was telling me that she was somewhere, they were discussing, they are talking about calorie counting. Calorie counting. You know what they call calorie counting? Yeah, it's confusion, but you know what it is. Uh-huh. Is there somebody now interjecting and say, ah, "If you eat everything, you will get diabetes"? She said she shouted, "I said I can't get diabetes because the Spirit of Christ is working in me and is giving life to my mortal body. Don't talk nonsense in my presence. My health is not from my food. My health cometh from the Lord." Go and ask Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach. And, I beg and go. They didn't see quality food. They were fresher than the people who were being fed the best. When you want to talk, don't talk nonsense. What's going to happen in this country? Say ah, No matter what happens, I will prosper. Eh, listen, whether dollar is 10,000 naira or it the, or the becomes one naira to one dollar, it does not concern me. Whatever God wants to do, my reserve, my currency is in heaven. From there, God is pouring a blessing to my life. Say, in this land, though, I will sow in this land and I will reap a hundredfold. As you hear here the other day, the roads, and some, a car had an accident and six people died. Wow. In which road? Say thank God for his protection. Let us pray that federal road safety will know the right thing to do. It's simple. You can. What is the normal reaction in Nigeria? These roads, I told you, if you go to America, nobody dies. Even if you die, they put something on your body. Obama will press it, you wake up. You wake up, you wake up. You will wake up. So the sun is too hot. In America, they program the weather. <laughs> Do you know there are people who believe it? You can be there laughing. There are people who believe it that when it gets too hot, they just—NASA pro- has these computers in an area. They just program the weather. The satellite will beam lasers. It will crystallize over the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific will move, and El Nino will just become El Dino. You are laughing. Some people believe it. That's how most people respond. Ah, it can't, this country is useless. People will just die like chicken. This is how we die like chicken. We, you know, we. <laughs> we, you know, the person has cl- classified himself chicken. All the fowls in Nigeria, go and die. Christmas is coming. You know, those kind of things. As every time you speak in your life, the Bible says, what are you supposed to do? You must esteem his name. You must magnify his name. You must ascribe the glory that is due to him. You must say that, ah, on that road, <laughs> thank God, though, as we are passing, the angels of God will continue to protect us. Hey, we know not all men have a let's pray for them that we will be able to do. Do you get my point? That's how Christians talk. That is how Christians talk. That's how they create an ambience. Listen, the things you learn becomes your discussion. Anybody you can't discuss it with must stop being your friend. That's not a joke. The word of God you are learning must become your discussion. Anyone you can't discuss these things with stops being your friend from today. They are chatting nonsense, stop listening to them. If every day you put something in, they are poisoning your soul. Defend yourself. I'm not doing it again. That's what I mean by creating what? An ambience of faith. An ambience of faith. Your talk, let me summarize, I want to close now. Our talk as believers from today must always be that which gives glory to God. You must never talk as if your success, your chances of doing well in life is dependent upon who becomes president. You must never, never talk like that. Your life is not a game of chance. Never forget that. Your success is not dependent, your victory in life is not dependent on who's president and where he travels to. You know that's the current trend in Nigeria now. Where's the president going? This is what I say. Wherever you go, you will bring good from there. That's a better way to talk. So talking like an unbeliever and say, What is he looking for? Just traveling everywhere. I've heard all kinds of nonsense, but it will not be from your mouth. Amen. Your life around it will be an atmosphere of what? Faith. An ambience of faith. This is the word I've got to you today. From today, you change the company you keep. Don't forget, you're a man. Stop calling your father on every decision. He's killing your faith. You did not know it. He has ruined your faith for the last six years. You didn't realize it. And he's a good man. Good people are the ones that kill your faith fastest. Bad people help you. If you say, Daddy, give me money, he gives you, your faith is dead. When you say, give me money, say Why? When did you see me going to my father to ask for money? I have a friend whose father told that actually. <laughs> he begged his father for money. His father said, All the days you've been in this house, did you ever see me go to my father to ask for money? I'm not kidding. The boy told me, He said, Oh boy, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. The father that did that to you is the one that's helping you. When you see that kind of situation, you will kneel down and say, God, you see, my earthly father has forsaken me. <laughs> I hope you've got to my point. Yes, sir. I hope you've got to my point. Let's bow down our heads and just give the Lord. Say, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for truth. Thank you for truth. Please, we are closing the next five minutes, but we have to do something quickly. Just thank the Lord for today. Say, Lord, thank you for your word. Say, your word is good. Say, Lord, thank you for your word. Your word is good. Make your decisions concerning faith. The books you read, the tapes you listen to, we'll talk about some practical things along that line later. You get up and fill your atmosphere. God gave you a mobile phone, a smartphone. Every device is a road that God created in in the generation. You use it to drive the word into your heart. Make your decision there. Oh, Father, we give you thanks